Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about some books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Sydney. Getting a little nervous. About what? Well, you know, it's Thanksgiving in a week or so. Yeah. And you're nervous about Thanksgiving? I'm nervous about Thanksgiving, and not for the usual reasons. Not because I'm... What are the... Hold on. What are the usual reasons? Gastrointestinal. You have... Wait. You get worried about gastrointestinal problems? Will I be able to eat enough? Will I eat the right things? And my baking, I'm worried about my baking. Will I bake? Will everything I bake come out okay? My I don't. Cooking. I don't. I wouldn't call these like the usual. Were like I usual think. for you, but I don't think that those are normal concerns for people. Well, aside from aside from you, those, you know, you can control like what you eat and <laughs> can you? Well, that's debatable. But for me, uh, Thanksgiving is kind of a scary time. I got a little bit of like a kind of flashbacks sometimes. To, to uh, turkey? No, not not to turkey. Football? No, not to football. Family? To, well, sometimes. Uh, no, I have flashbacks to, this is still really hard for me to talk about, but that one Thanksgiving that I had asthma. Uh, okay, well. Oh, wow. Now, wait. <laughs> wow, that's still so fresh. You didn't, Oof. You didn't have asthma. Asthma. I remember I had it, it it was um like seven or eight years ago but it's still so vivid and I had to get an inhaler and I remember that right but I mean you you don't have asthma like that's the only time you've ever had to use an inhaler in your life I've seen yeah I know but you I had know like a like a post-infectious reactive airway disease I, well I had that inhaler that asthma kid inhaler so I'm and I think the doctor said I had asthma so I'm pretty sure I had asthma. Are you thinking that it was triggered by Thanksgiving? Is I, that is I that just, the connection? Every time I start to see those turkeys pop up, I find it gets harder to breathe for me. Every, that's that's every time you feel grateful, your airways start closing I feel down. Grateful, and I'm like, Ugh, can't get somebody get me a paper bag or a straw. I can't remember. It's been so long since I had asthma, but man, did I ever have asthma. I don't think you know much about asthma. That would be uh, incorrect as I am a survivor, but uh, maybe you could try to educate me about it, I guess. I think I will. I think I'll, I'll tell you some things I know about asthma. And while I'm at it, I'm also going to tell you some things I know about allergies. Oh, I got those too. Because the interesting thing about if you go back I'm living in history. with allergies. Well, and I'm not w- dying from them. I'm living with them. <laughs> I would agree with you on that. I think you do have allergies, and I do as well. And probably 
anyone who's listening in the uh, Ohio River Valley, mm-hmm. where we live, hello, also has allergies. I, I think I treat allergies maybe more than anything else. Seriously, I mean it's it's just rampant here. So, so why did you want to talk about these two topics together, sister? Uh, the main reason is that when I started researching one, I kept stumbling upon the other, and and so then I switched to the other, and vice versa. And the reason is. For a long time, people really didn't understand what caused allergies or what caused asthma or, you know, what what would distinguish one respiratory illness from another, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody's coughing or sneezing or short of breath or wheezing, you know, runny nose, it was all the same. We used to treat it all the same way, no matter what caused it. And so if you're trying to read about the history of how did people treat asthma or how did people treat allergies or really any, how did people treat colds, Mm -hmm. you're going to come across the same things over and over again because, you know, they didn't know that it was allergies. They don't know what an allergy is. So So when did we start to become aware that this might be a thing? Well, before I tell you, let me real quick, I want to thank specifically uh, Whitney suggested uh, one of these two, I think, asthma and nicholas suggested allergies and many many other people have suggested these topics but thank you guys for bringing them up um if we, you want to suggest a topic you can email sawbones at maximumfun.org that's right and we i try to get around to them i know some people have tried to like email the same thing a couple times to bump that up I, i'm trying to get to them all there's a lot of medicine out there anyway so Thankfully, we yes we're not complaining <laughs> no it's good it's a good thing we can keep doing our show so we have known about the the idea of allergies. Let's start there. As far back as ancient Egypt, um, we understood that for some reason there were foods, substances in the air, things people came into contact with that would make some people ill, but other people seemed to tolerate fine. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what that meant, but we understood that concept. Mm. Um, that's, I guess it's a fairly obvious one to, to see some, one person you know, drinks the cow's milk and has a really bad diarrhea and the other guy doesn't. Exactly. So we knew that for some reason, you know, that was something that doesn't make everybody sick, but some people. And the the first example that was documented was the, I would say, unfortunately named King Menzies. Mm. Not a great it's name. A rough for, path. Yeah. Rough path to you. Uh, he died from a wasp sting hmm. from anaphylactic shock, presumably, although not that they would have used any of those words. Right. They didn't know. Maybe wasp. Although, like, imagine wasp in, in Egyptian, like, not wasp. Can you imagine how crazy it would be English without an understanding of allergies that sometimes bees kill people and sometimes they just hurt? That's a pretty horrifying way to That's live. That's terrible. <laughs> uh, similarly, the son of the Roman emperor Claudius, his name was Britannicus mm-hmm. of the encyclopedias the encyclopedias (laughs) family uh was severely allergic to horses which is actually a tragedy that is because they rode him a lot Mm -hmm. and he couldn't he would actually end up he couldn't see he i guess his allergic response was so strong i don't know if it was that his face would swell up or his eyes would water to the point that he couldn't see but he couldn't see now my eyes water when i see horses but that's because they're just so free and beautiful (laughs) That's why we have so many paintings of horses in our house. That's why I keep so many. That's right. Uh, And it was suggested in some of the things I read that maybe that's why his other son, Nero, became the next ruler. Because he wasn't. He could could get down with a horse. Yeah, he could ride a horse. Britannicus couldn't like survey all that they, you know. Yeah. All that they. uh, Surveyed. 
Yeah. Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah, you know. You know what I mean. You get it. He couldn't, like, check out the property. Yeah. Unless he walked there. And that was going to take days. Right. Because so, the property was so big. Uh, King Richard III was allergic to strawberries. I think you could work around that. This actually, this came into play in history. Um, he ate some before a meeting he had with Lord William Hastings. And then he developed hives. And he blamed the hives on Hastings. Said that he cursed him and caused the hives. And then had him beheaded. Hastings should have gone with the creme brulee, dog. <laughs> but it was the strawberries. That's rough. It's really, yeah. Um, but most of the time, like I said, allergies were treated like any other respiratory symptom. You know, if we're thinking about like allergy symptoms, runny nose and sneezing and coughing and, and all that, uh, you know, it was treated the same way that we would treat a cold or that we would treat asthma or bronchitis or anything else. So what I'm going to talk about next is kind of a lot of these treatments are the same, no matter what the actual ailment, you know, if we could go back in time right now and diagnose these people, what it would have been. So the Egyptians understood the idea that breathing was important. Yes. That's pretty good. Good job. Um, They had this whole system that they figured out where they thought there were tubes in the body that delivered both air and water to all of our organs. Oh, okay. You could be further off. Yeah. No, I mean, that's that's not totally wrong. And that if for some reason those tubes got blocked so that you weren't getting air somewhere, which you would demonstrate by, you know, not breathing, Mm -hmm. that you could use something inhaled to fix it okay good good we're getting there so they actually had a kind of a recipe if you will for i guess the first inhaler so you take seven stones okay and you put them in a fire so they get really hot okay and and then there are three different substances you could use at this point i guess for the medicine so to speak Mm -hmm. frankincense yellow ochre or grapes okay uh, you take whatever you have. I'm going to say grapes because that's what of the of those three things. That's what I would have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give I mean, me the choice. Yeah, well, I mean, I I just don't I don't know where to buy frankincense. Mm-mm. So, grapes, and you put some on the hot stone, you know, so it creates fumes, and then you put it in some sort of vessel that has a hole in it. They're not specific here, so whatever you have that has a hole in it, okay, so that you can put a reed into the hole. And then inhale the fumes through the reed. So basically a hookah. Yeah. I, I was going to say a bong, but yeah. Basically it's a hookah. Yeah. I mean, especially like the hot stones. Like, I mean, that's, that's basically that's a true. hookah. That's true. That is a hookah. Yeah, so it's basically like a hookah. an asthma hookah. But, but the idea. It's a lot less nerdy than the, than the inhaler, I guess. It, it is. It's I mean, cool you look, look pretty look cool like as you were doing that. from Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> And and so that you could do this and breathe, not me. <laughs> you could do this, and it supposedly would help your asthma. And this probably worked. I don't know. Maybe worked better than the prevailing theory at the time, which was you're either possessed by a demon or mm-hmm. you've done something to anger God, and so just basically go sacrifice a lot of goats or something. Yeah. So, which I would guess doesn't work at all. Uh, Hippocrates understood that you know again breathing was important and that he recognized panting specifically as a bad sign mm-hmm. if somebody was panting um which i would say that this is probably what we would now say someone is short of breath or dis- or dyspneic or they're breathing fast maybe or wheezing even but all of these things he he knew that whatever the cause was 
you know, this was a bad thing. And he didn't know what triggered it. But once, you know, the the cascade happened, so to speak, he said what would happen is that you'd get extra phlegm. And that was one of the humors. You know, phlegm was one of the, if we go back to the humor system of medicine, different Mm -hmm. liquids in your body that cause problems. Phlegm was a bad humor. It could accumulate in your brain. True. Flow through your pituitary gland and then clog your sinuses and lungs. So they had the pituitary gland. They knew about that one. They knew about that one. Just not just they also thought humors were involved. They just also thought that phlegm clogged up your brain and your sinuses. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to give you guys an E for effort. That's a good try. <laughs> kind of got a few things very, very wrong. But, you know, I like the that you discovered the pituitary gland. Yeah. And, I mean, that they gave asthma the name asthma. That's it's, It comes from a Greek word for panting or for wind. Here's a true story. Embarrassing. When I was in elementary school, we had a uh, probably a medical student, in retrospect, uh, come to give us a, a sex ed. And, I bet uh, it was a medical student. Probably was a medical or student. Or a resident. I did that as a resident. Okay, so maybe it was a resident. Uh, I remember he was British and kind of snooty. But uh, <laughs> uh, he... Uh, we, we all are. Doctors are all British and snooty. It was supposed we, to be a, a very, um, like, sort of open conversation, you know, back and forth. And uh, he mentioned the pituitary gland and started talking about, you know, its effect on puberty or whatever. And uh, I said to him in this like open sort of free exchange of ideas, keep in mind I'm in elementary school, I said, I told him, uh, oh, the pituitary glands in your head. I, um, I thought it was in your penis. And he, he laughed and he said, uh, uh, maybe yours is. And oh. the whole class laughed at me. And that was me. That's why I never asked another question about medicine. And that's why I find myself in the sorry state I am today. <laughs> That was really mean. It was mean. I don't. I don't approve of that at all. Thank you. When I did that, when I taught that class, I had similarly odd questions, and I don't think I made fun of any of the children. Okay, moving I don't on. Think I did. Moving on from that embarrassing sidebar. So he did, by the way, make some connections to the environment. I thought that there was something around people that was triggering maybe these symptoms, whether they be in reality al- asthma or allergies. But he didn't know what. Mm-hmm. And um, throughout the Greek you know, Greek period and Roman times, there was a lot of study on respiration, uh, the discovery of respiratory muscles that we used muscles just specifically for breathing. Uh, it, they used to think before that, that it had something to do with warming up the heart. You breathe and it warmed the heart and then that made you breathe more. And I don't know, so it warmth, you know, heat was always a big theory, right? Yeah, it feels good. Heat makes everything work. Um, but the treatments they used for all these different symptoms really didn't improve anything very much it was the same kind of thing we've covered many times in many episodes the idea that if it's a problem with your humors you just need to get rid of one or all or some and things will get better so they give you medicines that make you pee make you poop make you puke they bleed you you know or put a hot compress on it yeah that feels nice (laughs) which i guess is more benign than all those other things but but making you throw up or pee probably didn't fix your asthma. No, not pleasant. What's interesting is that as we move forward, especially, and this this probably started in China, but you see the use of this in different cultures. Um, even when we come across to the Americas, uh, some of the indigenous cultures were using ephedra. Now that sounds familiar. You probably remember it from diet drugs. Yes, yes, yes. And it was banned yeah, for yeah, its yeah. use in diet drugs. Like Fin Fin, it's the same, no, different. Yes. Okay. Yes. Nice. Um, Part of it. But yes. 
Uh, but ephedra is a, you know, it's an herb. It's a naturally occurring substance. And it was used by many different cultures for the treatment of what we would call now asthma. Uh, because it actually also works to open up your airways. A bronchodilator is what we would cause that. Huh. Call that. And so it, it did work for that. Um, obviously, we don't use that now. But you know it has other it has other side effects but it does work for that and you see that echoed all throughout different places and times um plenty actually had something plenty our elder okay actually had friend of the show plenty okay, the elder a very important contribution to this kind of um conversation he noted that pollen could cause a problem plenty getting the rare the rare uh, hit there he was Gallon all on base. He, he, he noticed that there seemed to be some association with pollen, and he advised use of the Chinese herb ephedra. Plenty. Good job, my friend. Now, he did say that you should probably drink it in red wine. Okay, well. Which mm-hmm. doesn't hurt. Things. But, and then he said, you know, if that, if you don't have that, I guess, or if it doesn't work, or if you don't like it, or whatever, instead you could drink some wild horse blood. Or perhaps some millipedes soaked in honey, or maybe just some fox liver. Ah, oh, plenty. Yeah, so, you blew it. He came so close. Flew too close to the sun. He came so close. So close, plenty. And then you got to throw horse blood in there. And Justin, I'd really like to tell you some more about this, but before I get there, I'm going to need you to visit our billing department. All right, let's go. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl 
is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box pre-prepared? All I got at two minutes? I mean, filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're going to talk about pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, And the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. So as we're moving forward, we have figured out that something – in the environment, Pliny told us something, probably pollen, is causing some kind of respiratory symptoms for people. Uh, in the 1500s, a lot of people started calling the condition, you know, the idea that you would have breathing problems or, you know, upper respiratory symptoms from something in the environment. They started calling it rose catar. Rose catar. Blaming it first on roses. That's where the rose, I mean, they're saying it's triggered by roses, rose, and catar meaning any kind of like cold-like symptoms. Okay. So you have a rose catar. So you get cold symptoms when you're around roses. Roses were unlikely as the main culprit, uh, but they were very pretty and prominent. And I don't know, it sounded romantic. Kept the heat off the daisies. I have the rose catar. Yeah, it does. It sounds like a very fancy disorder. Doesn't that sound better than allergic rhinitis? Much. Actually. I have when allergic you, rhinitis. I have you, rose catar. Certainly, when you say it like that. The popular girls always got rose catar. I just got allergic rhinitis. Oh, mm. you can have rose catar if you want, sweetie. Later, they started calling it summer asthma. It's nice. A little, I mean, maybe a little less romantic than rose catar, but not bad. But that's. I guess that's kind of the same idea as your Thanksgiving asthma, yeah, Turkey right. Day asthma. My, my summer asthma is kicking in. Uh, but again, the reason that I'm lumping all this together is that they don't they didn't know any distinct pathology. So somebody could be accused of having summer asthma when they really do have asthma. They have allergies or they just got a cold. So who knows? Um, in India, physicians started advising that people use an herb called stramonium or jimson weed um, and that they actually advise smoking it. Now, okay, I'm no expert, but I cannot imagine that helps. Here's the interesting thing. So, no, the smoking part is not good. Obviously, inhaling smoke, no matter what it's smoke from, if you have asthma or other respiratory illnesses, is a bad idea. The herb that they picked, though, is an anticholinergic, which means that it also, here's what you need to know, it also would help dilate the airway somewhat. It's similar to data if you've seen commercials for Spiriva. Okay. It's kind of similar to that. I am not advocating you go smoke Jimson weed. I'm just saying. Too late. Already blazed it. I'm just saying it was probably not the worst idea. It was the smoking part that was not so great. Okay. I, I, even I would have known that one. Old Indian dudes. But the early Americans took it a step further. Um, They said, you know. In India, they want to smoke some Jimson weed. Well, let's just smoke. Let's just smoke tobacco. That seems like that should work, mm-hmm. probably. Okay. Like, I like that better. <laughs> yeah, it tastes better and it yeah. feels good. I'd rather just smoke that. So they you they would actually just smoke cigarettes. Okay. That's not... You're not treating anything. 
No. Fellas. <laughs> but it seemed good. It didn't. They were lying, but okay. They also advised smoking cocaine. Okay, well, now I do feel better. <laughs> yeah. Um, as a as a treatment for asthma and that was both as a treatment for asthma or as a treatment for a cold again these would be used for any kind of breathing issues or so a this may for be getting uh, blocked on your novel it's good for that too man what <laughs> treatment... co- can't cocaine fix <laughs> the treatment for sleepy back treatment for bad party <laughs> no matter what problem you have cocaine is the answer too um, much disposable income cocaine is there <laughs> later arsenic became a popular treatment <laughs> okay Sure. I don't know. It, Just bury a knife in your chest. We're moving into that period of time where anything that evoked any response in the human body, well, let's try it. Let's give it a whirl. Uh, there was a physician working out of Spain who noticed uh, association with the time of the year, like the weather. Mm-hmm. And that was where we first started to get the idea that a dry climate would probably help with respiratory illness. And we, we saw that with tuberculosis, but also with any kinds of asthma, cold, whatever, that cold, wet weather was worse, dry climates are better. And he also threw in there, you should rest and don't have any sex and drink some chicken soup. Okay, so, sure. Not, I mean, not a bad idea if you've got like a cold or something. You feel better. Uh, in the 1500s, there was an interesting footnote in the history of allergies there was an archbishop who was severely ill with many respiratory symptoms, and he was actually diagnosed with tuberculosis, and no physician could help him. Everything they tried to do wasn't making him better until one of his doctors advised that he switch from his feather bed to all silk. Now, the reasoning was actually kind of shallow. Wouldn't a man of your stature be sleeping on silk and not feathers? But it totally cured what turned out to be just an allergy to That's so awesome. I love whatever when we back into a right answer. Yep. Uh, but I will say that the physi- the physician did take note of that. There was a recognition like, ah, okay, those feathers were clearly the problem. We right. didn't know it, but we know that those no, feathers maybe he's were a problem. Just like finally, because of his status, his status was what was making him sick. His sense of <laughs> of the finer things in life. So it was keeping him ill. And finally, he was sleeping on a class-appropriate bed, and that's why he started to breathe a little easier. And that's what—that's all it takes. I just tried to sleep on an air mattress, and I, was, and I started, I coughed up a lung, because I'm a fancy gentleman. I can't, I can't be caught dead on an air mattress. I'm always trying to sleep on that. What, what is that weird pillow that I sleep on that you got? It's got water in it or something? Yeah, yeah. I don't know why you still use that. I thought it would stay cool, but it doesn't really. It no, it do doesn't. I, laziness? I don't know where my other pillow is. And I'd have <laughs> okay. to go find it. And then I'd have to put it on the bed. And yeah, it's a Oh, whole we production. got a kid now. I just don't have time for that. I didn't know you disliked that pillow. No, I hate it. Really? It, like, Yeah, because it like flops around. It's like heavy. And if I try to just pull it, like I've pulled it down and it, I don't do you know. Can just get your normal pillow? I, yeah, I really need a normal pillow. Okay, next time I'm out, I'll get you a normal pillow. Okay. Sorry. Did we throw away my normal pillow? Uh, it's certainly, certainly, certainly we did, probably. Oh, man. We got like 50 pillows. Down th- oh, my, oh, my God, this is a podcast. Sorry, <laughs> okay. go ahead. So, <laughs> continuing things that are thrilling, there was a big breakthrough in the 1800s when John Bostock, a physician, wrote a description of hay fever. <laughs> The, uh, that was probably as fun to read the as Noel Coward, our, the Noel Coward play, I'm assuming. <laughs> as our, our pillow discussion was to just listen to. Um, 
he was a sufferer of hay fever and you know allergies are no fun and so i guess he just was finally like man i'm just gonna write all this down and see if i can like define this and describe it and then maybe if we all agree that there is a thing that is triggered by stuff in the environment that is a problem maybe then we can fix it and he linked it to some sort of substance in the air just writing about his own stuff yes writing about his own symptoms of hay fever this summer on the cw <laughs> the asthma diaries <laughs> uh, do you think there was a vampire in there too <laughs> the vampires gave us asthma everybody knows that science 101 read a book but allergies came from mummies and we know that now we know that now uh this was this was important this sounds like the most boring thing ever, but it was important because the the most popular belief still at the time, even though it, it had been proposed otherwise, obviously, was that heat caused problems. And so the idea that, oh, no, 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 there are these things in the environment, they definitely, definitely do. Because he was a very respected physician. This was the first time that people started reading this description of hay fever and going, oh, okay, well, maybe this is right. I buy this. And other physicians began to build on this work, actually testing the theory. So they started injecting themselves with pollen and rubbing it all over their skin and rubbing it in their eyes and trying to trigger symptoms to prove the theory heroic yeah and i mean it and it worked they did they gave themselves terrible allergic symptoms it's a cool few weeks but i guess it all pays off in the end i don't think any of them went into like anaphylactic shock that i read about which is nice that's good although who would write that up they would probably give that guy a pass it's a rough way to go (laughs) you know somebody would write it up guaranteed if i did it if i was that doctor and i injected myself with something and triggered anaphylactic shock and then i presumably am surviving if i'm gonna write it up you know i would because yeah. I think I was so cool. So cool, except for giving herself anaphylactic <laughs> shock. For, in science, for the name of science. We did a whole show about, you know, doctors think that's cool. Okay. So the following century, what really was the breakthrough for allergies and asthma and, and complaints similar to those was immunizations. Uh, not because they fixed these problems, but because this is really when we started to understand the immune system. So as we understood the immune system better, we understood the idea that for some people, there are things in the environment that their immune system just goes nuts to. And we don't know you know, exactly why this person, every time they come in contact with you know, pollen, they can't breathe for two weeks. And this other person doesn't seem to notice. Do we understand that now? Like, I mean... Obviously, on a base level, we do, but, like, the why? I mean, part of it is, like, it's, you know, we start to understand genetics, right? Why mm-hmm. some people are, you know, have different diseases and other people don't. But then the other thing, too, there, there are all kinds of theories, and, I mean, this is just me kind of talking about it, but there, there's something called the hygiene hypothesis, hmm. that a lot of this is, a lot of these problems are becoming more prominent as we're getting cleaner. Hmm. We're not exposed to allergens, things that would trigger these problems early enough, so... We're, we're too clean, basically. If we were all dirtier and more covered in germs and allergens at an earlier age, we, would, we wouldn't have so many people with allergies and asthma. Huh. I don't know. I'm not saying that that's necessarily true, but that is a popular hypothesis. So don't take so many showers. I tested that hypothesis through a lot of middle school. <laughs> well, it didn't work. You got Thanksgiving asthma. <laughs> Tragic Thanksgiving <laughs> asthma. So one other thing I think, you know, we, we kind of talked about smoking as a cure for asthma right one really popular treatment for asthma (laughs) in the in the uk and then in the u.s and this was again kind of in the patent medicine era 
were asthma cigarettes. Awesome. So not just cigarettes, because we talked about that. Those are ones with actually tobacco in them. These did not have tobacco. They were specifically for asthma. They were marketed that way. It was like Potter's Asthma Cigarettes. God, if you need a name for your band, now you have it. There asthma you go. Cigarette, the Asthma Cigarettes. They they usually did have an herb in them of some sort. And they, they there was some basis here. They contained some kind of herb that would have atropine in it. Atropine, again, acting as a an anticholinergic that would dilate your airways, open up your airways mildly. This is probably not the best way to do this, but they did work somewhat. Uh, belladonna was a very popular thing to put in asthma cigarettes. So they kind of worked. But at the same time, they also probably made you hallucinate somewhat. Okay. So they were fun cigarettes. They were jazz cigarettes. I'm not worried about my asthma ever. <laughs> um, they were very popular, you can imagine, because, one, people loved smoking back then, right? Sure. Like, everybody was smoking. And it could fix anything. Yes, it could fix anything. It may have dilated your airways, and moreover, you were tripping on them, so everybody loved them. People were getting hooked on them, um, which is why they continued to be popular even after the nebulizer was invented. <laughs> Really? Which do you know what a nebulizer is? I, I think know. most people yeah, it's a little do, thing. but you, little... like breathing treatments. Yeah. If you've ever seen a little kid, they get the little. There's the machine, and you dump the albuterol liquid in the thing, right. and they get the treatment. Anyway, even after the nebulizer was invented in the 30s, they were still smoking asthma cigarettes. It wasn't really until the 50s when the inhaler came out, which was cheaper and easier to use, and everybody understood it, and it worked so much better than smoking. <laughs> That people started to use that instead of the cigarettes. But they sold those up until like 85. Holy crap. Yeah, you could find packs of asthma cigarettes. There are probably people listening who are like, hey, I remember somebody told me about those. Um, I read one comment about them. Somebody who was talking about asthma cigarettes and said, you know, actually, I was around and I tried those. And uh, he said it wasn't a particularly nice buzz, but very, very debilitating. <laughs> Which was an endorsement, awesome. I think. I think awesome. it was an endorsement. Awesome. Um, the last sidetrack before we get to today was that in the 1900s, especially in like the 30s and, and up to the 50s, asthma became viewed as a psychosomatic illness for a while. Mm -hmm. They didn't think that it was, it was really a physical problem. It was something that you could probably overcome with the right amount of talk therapy and like psychoanalysis. Is that why we have some of the, like, unfortunate stereotypes, like, connecting people with asthma to, like, being sort of nerdy or effeminate or, or whatever? I think that's exactly where it came from. Back in the 50s, when if you were carrying around, I mean, think about it, we have an overlap where asthma is still being seen as something that is pr primarily of the mind, and then at the same time, the inhaler was invented. So now you've got kids wandering around using an inhaler, and there are adults looking at them going, that kid just needs to be in therapy. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that's probably where that unfortunate connection comes from. Um, they thought that wheezing was the suppressed cry of a child for its mother. That's why you wheeze. Mm. It's because you're really just crying for mom and you don't know how. It was considered there were seven holy psychosomatic illnesses at the time. Mm. I think that might be another show altogether. But... Anyway, the way that they treated it was by treating the underlying depression that they thought was there, which mm. obviously does not fix asthma. No, that doesn't fix your asthma. What about now, Sid? Well, now we understand that there are distinct illnesses, asthma, of course, uh, allergies to various substances, and then all kinds of other respiratory problems that were lumped in with this stuff. Um, asthma has a wide variety of treatments, 
inhalers, pills, you know, you can go see a specialist if you need to. Allergies are very well understood. Uh, We can treat you for them with over-the-counter medications or prescription medications. And um, we can also test you much in the same way that those doctors who just rub pollen all over themselves. We can test you with like skin tests, like, you know, expose you to a bunch of stuff and try to figure out what you're allergic to. Hmm. So, so it's all very well understood and, and we can treat them now, but. What a relief. Yeah. So should my Thanksgiving asthma flare up again, doctors will be there to treat me. Yeah. And in the meantime, I'll just keep taking my loratadine because it is the time of the year that, again, everybody around here has allergies. Our air quality is just terrible. Hey, uh, folks, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to people tweeting about the show uh, using the at uh, Sawbones is our is our username or you can use the Sawbones hashtag, whatever you want. A lot of people getting their flu shot. Yeah, Jazzy, thank you. Everybody getting their flu got shot. hers. Uh, other people tweeting about the show. Will Crummel, uh, Vanessa Van Alstein, Jeff Lakin, uh, Recovering Ninja Cat, Nick Taylor, uh, Jedi Outcast, Rhyme Cop, Doogie, 2K, Williams, Skeeby Nicks, I Heart Social Media, Brian Russell, Patricia Mativi, uh, uh, Fun Bustin, so many others. Uh, uh, Listen, if you're going to be in the area of Huntington, West Virginia on December 21st, and we got news for you, we are doing a live show uh, with My Brother, My Brother, and Me uh, called My Brother, My Brother, and Me, Home for the Candle Nights, a holiday spectacular. It's going to be at Huntington City Hall. Uh, We're going to be recording a live episode and opening up for my brother, my brother, me tickets are just 15 bucks. Uh, uh, We've sold about half of them, a little over half actually. So get on it. If you uh, are, are interested in going, you can go to bit.ly forward slash candle night live and get those, uh, get those tickets. So hop on that. This is your chance to see Huntington, West Virginia. You've been, you've You've, waited long enough. Treat yourself. Just cross it right off that bucket list and get on down here. We're a member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network. There's a lot of great shows uh, for you to to listen to there. Uh, uh, this week, I want to recommend the Goose Down uh, uh, hilarious uh, podcast that uh, you would uh, you would really enjoy. Sort of general topics, uh, but uh, really hysterical. So uh, treat yourself to that. Those those two are hilarious, and uh, uh, want to. I uh, want to thank you so much for uh, listening. Thanks to the taxpayers. Oh, yeah, for letting us use their song Medicines as our intro and outro music. You should go buy everything they make. And finally, thanks to you so much for listening. We'll be with you next Tuesday. Until then, I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. As always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.